What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman, and Core wildcard weekend. Man, of course, it wasn't going to disappoint after an awesome regular season, highly competitive. The first round of playoffs was pretty eventful. I'm ready to recap these games and finally get into them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this week of playoffs, not going to lie, we had our fair share of blowouts, but, hey, I mean, the next round's looking really good. And, yeah, I mean, after all, I mean, it was a good weekend of football. I enjoyed watching these games regardless of the outcome. So, yeah, definitely ready to, to get into it. Yeah, listen, I said it was a great week. Maybe a little – I guess you could say, you could argue, yeah, there were a couple games that were definitely one side. I thought there were some great performances, though. So, you know what? At the end of the day, it was great football to watch. Second year now with six playoff games in the wild card round, something that we'll talk – kind of towards the end of the episode, how we feel about the expanded playoffs, which was introduced in 2020. But core, let's first start on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. The Cincinnati Bengals won their first playoff game in 31 years, defeating the Las Vegas Raiders by a final score of 26 to 19. It was competitive. I thought that the Bengals had a lot of chances in this game to really break it open. They settled for four field goals, which is something that the Bengals, I know maybe you could say they're a little ahead of schedule, but now being in the divisional round, you got to capitalize more often on your trips down to the red zone. I know I saw a stat during the game too. The Raiders were allowing 81% of red zone drives to end in touchdowns, which was like the highest in the league. So for them to hold, I think the Cincinnati to like three field goals inside the red zone is definitely a big accomplishment for the Raiders. And that kept them in this game. But if you're the Bengals, you would definitely like to do a better job of executing and putting more points up on the board. I really don't think that since like, if you ask me, I don't, I don't know, like Vegas just shouldn't have been in this game. If you ask me, I think Cincinnati let them hang around too much. Luckily their defense picks off Derek Carr right in front of the goal line to result in a first in their first playoff win in a long time. So congrats to the Bengals and the fans of Cincinnati on a long awaited playoff victory. Yeah. I mean, um, going into this game, I thought the Bengals had what it takes to obviously win this game. Obviously they did. I mean, you could say the Bengals settled for, a lot of field goals. I mean, you look at the you look at the box score, everything like the Raiders also were like also uh, settled for. I think they had one touchdown in this game and four field goals. So, I mean, I think yeah, I think the Bengals had this game in control, but I mean the Raiders holding them, holding the Bengals to a lot of field goals. Like they could have capitalized themselves, but unfortunately, like they were held to field goals. Also, I mean, um, I think this Bengals team. Uh, do I think they're going to beat Tennessee? Honestly, I really don't, but I don't know. I think this is one of the most, like for me, it's a team I'm rooting for just because like, if you look at their, like their offense, it's just like, I don't know, just all around. I'm not even saying like, it's, it's the best, it's probably not like the best offense left in the playoffs, but just like skill wise, it's just a fun offense to watch Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, just the team. Like I'm honestly rooting for to go far. I mean, on the defensive side, I think, um, Trey Hendrickson is going to play this week. So I think they can give Tennessee a game, but I, I we'll get into that after. But, yeah, um, big win by the Bengals, first one in a while. And, yeah, I think the future is pretty bright. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I did – was a little hard on the Bengals in the sense that I mentioned – them they're kicking a lot of field goals but yeah they hold the Raiders to four field goals too which is impressive in their own right what just I guess surprised me is that I feel like you think of Cincinnati and their roster right now you're like oh it's their offense they're gonna win games in big fashion so at least they won a game without really their like strength if you know what I mean it's always good when a team can win in a lot of different ways it makes them that much more dangerous in the playoffs later down the line so for Cincinnati you tip your cap to them I know uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase seemed in sync all day it's crazy the amount of 
back shoulders Burrow can throw and right on the money to Chase. Chase finished nine receptions, 116 yards, was almost half of Burrow's passing yards. So it's good to know that that connection in their first playoff game is still strong. Core, I think the, a big overwhelming topic in this game was really the refs, man. I think it was one of the most poorly officiated games I've watched in quite some time. I know the Raiders shot themselves in the foot a lot with holding penalties, which those are avoidable. But, I mean, the two biggest plays that really come to mind are about, I mean, that play where the ref blows the whistle before Joe Burrow steps out of bounds and then they kind of just leave it at it as is. Like, it's just something I've never seen before. I think that's crazy that, yes, it was a clear-cut mistake, but then it's almost like, well, we kind of knew we made a mistake. Let's blow the whistle early. And instead of uh, fixing it, let's just, like, kind of continue along with the mistake and just pretend like it never happened. Like, I don't know. Do I think that Tyler Boyd still would have scored on that play? probably it looked like the Raiders guy was beat going back the other way. But at the same time, you blow a whistle. The play's got to be dead. How do you let that stand? I think that was pretty crazy, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, if you're going to blow a whistle, I think, like, you can't really let the play go on. I just think, I don't know, I think the refs um, all season really haven't been been great. But, like, in a game like this, I don't know. I just think, yeah, if you're blowing the whistle – I think definitely, um, yeah, I mean, I think that play's got to be dead. It kind of, like, just throws off the whole play. So, yeah, I mean, Tyler Boyd probably would have scored, but you blow a whistle, I think, yeah, it's got to be – play's got to be dead. Yeah, and for those who don't know, the ruling on that would be a replay of the down. So it would have been third down again, whereas in the Bengals instead were granted a touchdown because the play counted. Another play – I mean, this one was a little bit more like low-key, if you ask me what the stakes were, and that's how there was no touchdown on it. But the Bengals call a play quick because Vegas gets caught with 12 guys on the field, right? They don't they don't grant them the timeout right away, Vegas. They throw like a 30-yard pass to Chase. Then after the play, the refs come all together. They huddle up. And after like a minute of discussions, then they go, the timeout was granted to Vegas. Again, it's just like, why does the play play out if you're saying that there was a timeout before? You mentioned the refs haven't been great all year. The refs can't like sometimes refs don't have to have a like a phenomenal game officiating right as long as they're not like the subject of our show then it was a fine officiated game but when you start looking back at the games and you start looking at plays that were kind of called completely wrong you know it, it, it takes away from the football that's actually on the field I mean we only have so many playoff football games every single year so that we don't want the outcome of them to really be decided by a couple of botch calls by some referees so core to that, I'll say hopefully the refs get a little better down the line. I thought like this game, the Dallas game as well. I mean, the Dallas game, we'll get into it a little later, but uh, it also didn't help. Like I said, the, the Raiders were sloppy in this game like that. Like those penalties at the the holding penalties and stuff like that, those are different than a call where you blow your whistle early or you don't grant that you grant the timeout a minute after the play. So I think that's crazy, but that's just how I feel about that. I mean, you're hoping for these refs to pick it up, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think. You're in the in the NFL playoffs. I think the refs definitely just gotta like ref it fair and ref it like the best of their abilities. But like, it just I'm I'm gonna turn this into like into kind of like a funny segment. Like, I'm not even trying to be mean, but like being a referee, low key, like kind of a terrible job. If you ask me, like you you go out there and ref a perfect game, no one even says a word to you. No one's like, hey. Hey, sir. Hey, Johnny. That was, a, that was a good ref game, a well ref game. But then you call PI on 
on the on like a defense and it's at that defensive like team's home field you're the most hated guy in like a bad call like you're the most hated guy in in the stadium for that for, for the rest of that game like I don't know I don't know what you're like referee is just like a tough job in uh in general I just like you, you can't really win in my opinion no doubt. I mean, especially if you're a referee too, that doesn't even get the nice, you're not the head referee, so you don't even get the TV time, right? At least like, uh, like Ed Hockey Lee was always one of those referees. Right? At least at least you get him mic'd up and everything like that. He gets to announce the penalties to the fans of TVs. But yeah, ref, not a great job. It's like being an umpire too in baseball. Like you only know the umpires in baseball who are bad, right? You don't really know the great umpires or at least you don't pay attention as much to them because they're not a focal point. But the Bengals are moving on. We'll talk about them later for the Raiders side of things. There's going to be even more change up. Rich Passaccia, the interim head coach there. They have not made a decision if they want to keep him full-time or not. I saw him writing let handwritten letters to his players in his hotel room. He just seems like a great guy. I'm not entirely sure if he's ready for a full-time head coaching position, but I think he's somebody that any organization should really want in their building, and I think that the Raiders definitely want to keep him in some capacity. Mike Mayock, though, their general manager, was fired. This was definitely something that I expected to kind of happen because Mayock was John Gruden's guy. Look, Mayock used to be on TV, used to be on NFL Network, was their main like draft analyst. And the Raiders, quite frankly, their first-round picks under Mayock's tenure are not good at all. I mean, you have Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs made a Pro Bowl as a rookie, but like for a first rounder, you wouldn't say he was great. Then you drafted Ruggs and Arnett in 2020, who were both not even on the team two years later. Alex Leatherwood in 2021, yes, he's young, but his career has already started from moving him from tackle to guard. So not a great season at all. Yes, you found Darren Waller. Yes, you drafted Hunter Renfro late in the draft. But at the end of the day, when you're missing on all those top picks and your specialty should be like scouting and drafting uh writings on the wall when they move on from the guy who was the only reason really why you were in the building you're in big trouble so for Mayock Cole I don't know exactly what to do I, I'm, I'd assume honestly I don't think he'd get another NFL job right away I think he maybe goes back into the TV route I used to love him come draft time especially so hopefully for Mayock he's able to figure things out but for the Raiders it could be an interesting offseason with a new head coach possibly, and for sure, a new general manager. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to head coach, I think um, Rich Bisaccio did, um, I think, like, definitely overexceeded um, his expectations as a head coach. He, I mean, the team faced, like, a lot of adversity. The team made the playoffs in a crowded AFC. So, like, considering the circumstances they've got on with this team, like, I think he did a really, really good job. And the team... I like if I if I were him in the in the locker room after that playoff loss, like I'm not really saying anything bad. Like this team overcame a lot for them to make. Like usually there's no moral victories, but I'd say in this case, all that's happened to this team, I'd say like making the playoffs, having competitive playoff game, like I'd somewhat take that as a moral victory. And then yeah, Mayock, you know that guy's voice pretty uh distinguishable on the NFL on NFL network. Yeah, I mean the Raiders honestly have not they've had they've had a, let's just say like a few head scratchers over uh over the last few years when it comes to first round picks even like in general I know like they've had some hidden gems but yeah overall I think this Raiders team like you if I I don't know it exactly but if you looked at like the guys that they've drafted opposed like the guys they've passed on you you'd probably like this Raiders team is good but they could be like a lot better if they we're able to draft right. So like Mayock getting fired, especially with what happened with Gruden. I don't really um 
not really a surprise to me. I'm not sure if he'll I, – I, I think he'd be better off right now just going back to NFL Network with, um, like, the draft an, analyst. But hey, I think eventually he could uh, – hey, I think eventually he can get a job as a GM. Just, like, he's a pretty big name. So, yeah, that's my, like, thoughts on it. Yeah, and listen, who knows what the future holds for Mac. But right now, Corey, the Raiders are out of the playoffs. I love you, Raiders. You had a great story this season. Tip of the cap to you. But we're not. We're done talking about you. The Cincinnati Bengals will get to later. Let's keep recapping this wild card round. Corey, we'll go to Saturday night in one of the most eye-opening playoff performances of recent memory. The Buffalo Bills throw the perfect game, if you want to say, in football. Seven drives that, like, you know what I mean? I mean, yes, they need on the put seven drives, seven touchdowns is all you need to know. Josh Allen, a guy who was picked in 2018 and people looked at him and they were like, eh, he might be good. He's a big project. I mean, nobody in their wildest mind could have expected 308 yards, five touchdowns in the air, and then another 66 yards on the ground. He was the best player on the field on Saturday. It absolutely showed the Patriots had zero answer for anything that he threw at him or Brian Dable threw at them. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, like I said, it was, this was 20 something years of revenge brewing for Buffalo and the dominance that Tom Brady has had over them. Unbelievable win for Buffalo, like I said, and they are rolling right now. It seems like, I mean, we talked about sometimes too, like we didn't love how Buffalo like just didn't seem as dominant as they were at some points last year, this season. Sometimes they had even that slip up in Jacksonville. After a performance like that against Bill Belichick, wow. That's all. You're left speechless. Yeah, I mean, I knew Bill Belichick. I couldn't play football. Like, it was the Patriots squad. But obviously, like, Bill Belichick in the playoffs is, like, the best head coach out there. And, yeah, I mean, the Bills just came into this game. Both sides of the ball. Micah Hyde. Oh, wait. was It It was Micah Hyde, yeah, making an incredible interception in the end zone. Like, that was pretty crazy. And then, yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, just, yeah, the perfect game, a touchdown, every single drive, no punts, no field goals, no, no anything. And I, when it comes to Josh Allen, like, if you, he, he, you can make a legit argument. It's really not even a bold take. Like, a lot of good quarterbacks in the league, Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Herbert, like, you, Josh Allen, honestly, like, might, he's probably the most valuable to his team and, like, the versatility that he brings. Like, for him to be able to throw the ball that – 308 yards, five touchdowns. And then you look, and I know this game, Singletary actually had a pretty good game on the ground, but Josh Allen's usually – he's probably their leading rusher on the year. I don't even know. Like, he, he usually leads that team in rushing. Just, like, he's so valuable to that team. I think I think everyone knows Josh Allen's a star, but I still think, like, he's kind of like, – you can't say he's underrated, but I think he is so good that he kind of is underrated. Like, I, I, you could easily make a case that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And if it, I mean, can't expect him to play like this every game, but if he can give you like almost numbers like this, the Bills are going to be a really tough out come the AFC and even come NFC opponents if they make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned with Allen being at the top echelon, you're right. Sometimes like maybe he does get over. Everybody's always been infatuated with Mahomes and like how he's Josh Allen's right there though. Like the gap is not crazy far and especially how much Allen has progressed. I don't think it's crazy at all to say that he won't continue to grow. And I mean, again, this was in zero degree weather in Buffalo on Saturday night against one of the best coaches in NFL history, if not the best. I mean, it helped early on. Like I said, they kind of punched New England in the mouth with a quick score. And then that play that you mentioned Micah Hyde made was 
unreal, not on Mac Jones at all. I mean, if that's a touchdown, maybe it's a whole different game, but Buffalo comes back on their next drive. They score a touchdown, make it 14 nothing. New England goes three and out, and from there, it just seemed like Buffalo was going to keep rolling. They were physical with New England. It kind of seemed like – I remember that game, that windy game after that game that they played the Patriots in Buffalo. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were in, like, the press conference, and they were like – Kind of saying that we didn't really get ran all over. You know what I mean? Like they had one big run play and Buffalo, they took it personal, right? They were real physical with them all week. And even on the offensive side of things, you mentioned Devin Singletary. I mean, he did a great job too running the ball, a more complete performance from their sides of things. He gets two touchdowns too. So you almost seem like the Bills are peaking at the right time. And you couldn't, like I said, you couldn't X for a better time for Buffalo to be playing their best football. On the Patriots side of things, I just think that look, it wasn't their game plan at all to ever really play from behind. And I, I, it, it didn't matter who was on the op- opposing sideline, if you ask me. I think Buffalo was beating anybody which, with how good they played, with how creative Brian Dable was being, and with how much of a superstar Josh Allen was. I mean, that early touchdown where he looked like he's going out of bounds, keeps the play alive, and then flicks it right up to Dawson Knox was awesome. But like I said, going back to New England, I mean, I didn't think Matt Jones played particularly bad. I just think that it was a little bit of bad luck and Again, you would, nobody was beating Buffalo that night. So for New England, I think at a 10-7 and seven, uh, wild card loss isn't where they want to be, but I think it's the step in the right direction. But, I mean, it's going to be tough to overtake Buffalo in this division for years to come. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo, I, you really can't see them going anywhere anytime soon, especially with Josh Allen, a quarterback, and a lot of those guys um, probably going to be on this team for a while. But, I mean, the thing about the Patriots is, like, they went on that run – in like during the year where they won like a big winning streak. And I think like they were, they were thought of just like as a really um, scary team to play as they should have been at that time. But I don't know. I just think the thing about this team is like, like they, if they get off script, it's kind of tough for them to rebound right now. Like if they go up against a good team and and they get down early, like you said, like they showed it against the Colts, they couldn't really fight back. I mean, they did little, but, like, obviously they went on to lose that game. Here, they really had no chance from the start. Even they got – like, last week, even they got down against um, Miami. And they, they – they, the game really didn't mean that much, but, like, they still couldn't really come back. I think – like, their game plan, lean on the defense, not make Mac Jones do too much right now as a rookie quarterback, and lean on the run game. And, I mean, you can't really do that when you get down. I think the – I think this team definitely heading in the right direction. I think Mac Jones – Certainly had a good rookie season. I think um, under Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, if Josh McDaniels stays, like, I think he only should get better. I think he only will get better. So I think this Patriots team, I would not say – I don't think they're going to be able to overtake the Bills. I think the Bills are just a better team. But I think this this Patriots team, like, if they stay on on track, I think the the future is pretty bright. And they they could be a a playoff team in the AFC come uh, the next few years. Yeah, for sure. I think that they can definitely at least compete for the division. I think that this year, I don't want to say that they were ahead of schedule. I th- I'd say kind of like right on schedule. They weren't really, I don't like, not a lot of people would tell you that this was a Super Bowl team, even when they were doing so well. People I thought got a little bit ahead of themselves. I don't think they have an elite playmaker. They don't have an elite playmaker on offense. I think that's something that they should try to add to help Mac Jones for sure. I think you look around the league at every team right now that's in there, you could point to one guy on a third and eight who you want like the ball going to, whereas in new England, it's like, 
who's that guy. They just don't have it yet, especially with the young quarterback, too. That doesn't help. But Mac Jones, again, he's going to continue to get better, and hopefully he can get a weapon similar to how Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs last, before last season. Look how much that ascended his own game. Core, we're going to move on to the Sunday slate. We're going to go a little out of order here. I'm going to talk about probably, if you ask me, I mean, definitely the best game on Sunday. America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, the only upset this week, were upset by the San Francisco 49ers, 23-17. And all everybody's talking about, Core, is that last play when Dak Prescott with 14 seconds left, does a QB draw. They try to spot the ball. It, there's just not enough time. The ref bumps into Dak, which if you it didn't matter, if you ask me, I think it's comical that that was the play call there. I, I just don't get what the reward is from gaining 10 yards. It, it still would have been about a 20-something yard shot into the end zone where you could have taken the 30. It, it boggles my mind that that's how you lose a playoff game. When you come all the way back from, they were down a uh, 16, I think, at one point in the fourth quarter. And that's what you do. Disgusting, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. I was getting real nervous, Core, because everybody was just always like, all right, it's the Cowboys. They'll choke. But I don't know. This year, it just seemed like the Cowboys, like they were, they, they might be onto something. I was like, uh oh. I saw last week that they got San Francisco. I was like, that's great. I think San Francisco has the ability to upset anybody. And uh, yeah, that's what they do. Thanks to that QB draw by Mike McCarthy and company there. So Dallas is going home and the 49ers, the only team, like I said, that was an underdog one this week. So hats off to the 49ers for a very well-played game. They could have played better if you ask me, but it was a very well-played game by them. Yeah. I mean, the 49ers came out of the, um, came out of the gates, uh, had a nice drive to start, to start the game. And then like, we're pretty swarming on Dallas for, for a lot of this, a lot of this game on, on like their defense was swarming Dallas's offense a lot. I mean, Dallas didn't really get that many big play drives. They honestly were punting a lot. So credit to the San Francisco defense. But I mean, talking about that last play personally, I, I think he ran from like the 40. I didn't really think it was that bad of a play design. I mean, when you have no timeouts, yeah, it's a little bit of a head scratcher, but I don't know. I mean, it's just tough for like Dak to see the clock, like when to get down. Cause like, you don't know how much time it's exactly going to take. I don't think it was the ref's fault. Like the ref has to touch the ball, but I don't know. I, I don't think it was a terrible play call. I think it, it was, I think it was like, honestly a good idea. Cause like you knew there was going to be a lot of room up the middle to scramble, but I just think it, it just didn't like, they didn't execute it to perfection. Like I think, yeah, if he goes down a little earlier, you have a shot at the end zone, but you only have one shot from like 25 yards out, probably not scoring anyway. I think like people act like, I think like Dallas was probably not going to score anyway. Like there really just was not enough time from where they were, but yeah, like when you said this Dallas team was different, I honestly thought they, they were also like, I thought they were going to win this game. And I was looking ahead to, to next week. And like, I thought they easily could have uh, upset um, the Buccaneers. So, I don't know, tough loss for them, I think, at this point. Like, it's another loss, but I guess they just got to, like, keep moving forward because, like, this is a very talented team. I mean, the defense definitely improved a lot this year. I think Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, I don't know if they're going to be um, leaving, but I thought both of them did a really good job, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator um, for them. But, yeah, then for the 49ers team, just kind of, like, they're a bunch of dogs out there. And, yeah, I think this is a team, like, a very dangerous team, like, no one wanted to see the 49ers first round. Dallas had to see them. I think they'll give Green Bay a game in the divisional round. I think Jimmy G is good to go. It's a team who's been to the been to the Super Bowl. So, like, yeah, this should be a really good game 
coming up between the between the Packers and uh, 49ers. It's a rematch of what? Yeah, the NFC Championship game from two years ago. So that should be a really good game. Yeah, before I get into the 49ers, I'll just mention one last thing with Dallas. You do mention that note that Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore both probably won't be on the Cowboys coaching staff next year. So Mike McCarthy, I mean, for a guy that that's how your season ends and you're going to lose your two coordinators who really elevated your team this year, there's going to be a ton of pressure on him next year to continue the success that they've had. I Also saying on that, I could live, I guess, with the play call, how you were saying, but that play has to be executed to perfection or you're going to deal with all this backlash. And that's exactly what happened. At most, you got like you have to, like 17 yards was too long or whatever you ran for on the play, like 10. And then, you know, because you have to give yourself another chance. Besides that, the only reason why, if you ask me, the Cowboys even had this shot was because I thought San Francisco was a little scared in this game. I know early on it was 10 nothing, and I think it was a fourth and one early on. And I remember telling myself, I was like, Dallas doesn't even have, like, they had maybe three yards of offense through the first quarter. San Francisco just seemed so dominant. You're built on your run game and stuff like that and how good you can be. Why are you kicking this field goal, not giving yourself a chance to go up three scores early on and put Dallas away? Instead, they kick a field goal. Dallas comes back and scores a touchdown to make it a six-point game. And now you're kind of in a game, right? Even later in the game, you're up 16 points. Jimmy Garoppolo, the only thing you couldn't do was turn the ball over and you throw a brutal pass. I don't, I don't remember who it was intended to. It was on the right side. It was like an out route, but completely missed him. Another one, Garoppolo on third down. Brandon Ayuk cooks Trayvon Diggs, misses him, Garoppolo. So there were a lot of things in that game, if you ask me, that San Francisco could have cleaned up, and it really shouldn't have been a six-point game. If San Francisco would have lost that game, I would have been infuriated. Not one, because Dallas would have won. They would have been like, oh, this 16-point comeback. But two, because a really good football team absolutely shot themselves in the foot multiple times. That's stuff that has to get corrected. You will not beat Green Bay if you make those mistakes. They also got very lucky in the sense that Dallas, I mean, what, they have 14 penalties? I think it was like one of the most ever in a playoff game by a single team. So that helps the 49ers. Green Bay isn't committing 14 penalties next week. One last thing I'll say, Debo Samuel calling for the ball and then scoring the touchdown on that play, on that like outside zone play was awesome. I mean, what Shanahan has done with him and Elijah Mitchell in the backfield has been nothing short of spectacular. I think George Kittle finished the day with one catch. And if you would have told people going into the year that the San Francisco 49ers would win a playoff game and George Kittle would finish with one catch for 18 yards, you would have been like, what? Like, what happened? So kudos to Shanahan and company. Like I said, they have a big task on the horizon with Green Bay, but I definitely think I definitely think they are a talented enough team to do it. They just have to clean up a cert, certain things with, with their game plan. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't compare. I'm not going to compare them, but like, I know they lost like that game a few weeks ago to the Titans and almost like choked this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say it's like. I think the Viking. I think it's a little bit similar to the Vikings. Like the Vikings are a team who who, who loves to sell. Also, like another talented team. I don't think the 49ers, I think, are, are more, like better well coached and um, don't make a, don't like make as many mistakes. Like it hasn't been that often. Like they came back on the Rams last week to win the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, you can't really make those mistakes against Green Bay. I mean, Dallas, like you said, Green Bay is not committing 14 penalties like like Dallas is. Like, I don't know. I just think Aaron Rodgers led team at Aaron Rodgers led offense. At least the offense, I don't think is going to commit like that many penalties. But yeah, I mean, this 49ers team, I think, is really dangerous. Debo Samuel is just – when the ball's in his hands, like, he, he's just a problem in space, just tough to tackle. And it's basically – basically, yeah, Elijah Mitchell was another 
great find. I think six round pick. I'm not even sure, but yeah, I mean they've they've had like injuries. Like uh, Raheem Mostert goes down, Mitchell steps up, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk starting to like find himself kind of. But yeah, I think this team is definitely dangerous on both sides of the ball. I think I don't think Nick Bosa is going to be playing in uh against Green Bay. I think that's a big loss, but yeah, I still think they have what it takes to make this for um a competitive game for sure in Green Bay. Yeah, I know Nick Bosa did go out in this game. Fred Warner as well went out towards the tail end, but I, I'm almost positive he actually returned in the game, or at least his outlook. Don't quote me exactly on that, but I'm pretty sure Fred Warner avoided anything serious, whereas Nick Bosa, his doesn't look as well. So they'll be in Green Bay. We'll definitely preview that game later. Corey, let's talk about the two other games on Sunday. They were both kind of blowouts, and we'll start with Tampa Bay, who scored 31 straight points to open the game. I mean, it was – I won't even say it was really that close. I mean, Hertz was kind of driving down towards the end of the half with Philadelphia to throw an interception. And then, again, Tampa Bay scores out of the half. Philadelphia throws an interception. And then Tampa Bay scores to make it 31-0. Philadelphia puts up a couple points late in the game. I mean, for the Buccaneers, I'll give them credit where credit's due. I mean, no Chris Godwin, obviously no Antonio Brown. Leonard Fournette was not activated for this game, which was definitely surprising for me. And they were still able to handle business with relative ease. I know Mike Evans had a big day. Gronk also had a touchdown. And I mean, the run game, too, did a very good job with Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard. They both also got into the end zone. So I'm not too surprised. I didn't expect Tom Brady to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles at home in the first round of a playoff matchup. I think that would have been like Tom Brady just doesn't do those types of things for the Eagles. Again, a team, if you ask me, that was way ahead of schedule, probably didn't even really like, I don't want to say deserve to be in the playoffs, but like if, if I should say this, the four, 14 teams make the playoffs. I don't think Philadelphia was one of the top 14 teams in the NFL by talent wise, but look, they deserve the playoff berth. Kudos to them. They have a long off season ahead of them where they have, three first-round picks that they probably won't even use on a quarterback. So a lot of capital to get Jalen Hurts more company and more help. But, uh, yeah, for right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hopefully for them, they know that they need Leonard Fournette back. But for now, just a dominating performance against an Eagles team that they definitely should have beaten. Yeah, I mean, even without, like, certain weapons on the offensive side of the ball, like, there was no way I – like, I had 100% confidence going to this game, like Tom Brady – is winning this game. Like he's not losing to Jalen Hurts. No offense, Jalen Hurts right now, but like he's not losing to um, Jalen Hurts like in his first full year as a starter at home. I don't care if, if me and you are out there at wide receiver, like the Tampa, Tom Brady's winning that game. Um, I don't think the Bucks ceiling is necessarily that high. Like I think next, I think this week against the Rams is going to be a little bit of a struggle for them, but like I wouldn't put anything past Tom Brady. But yeah, this was a game where the Bucks were supposed to win. They they obviously got it, and yeah, I think the Eagles going into this game, uh, I don't think they really had one quality win. And like, yeah, I think that they beat up on some like lesser teams in them for for the most part this season. And I mean, hey, they 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 got the job done with their schedule. They got their way into the playoffs. But I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't think this team really is like a playoff-esque type squad. Like, they're not really – like, if you looked at anyone, who they were not really going to give anyone trouble. Like, no one saw the Philadelphia Eagles this year and was like, this is – this could be a problem. They're not they're – they're not, they're not the San Francisco 49ers. Like, it was a good season for them and Jalen Hurts, but I think right now, like, they just were not ready 
to compete at the big stage. And that obviously showed in, uh, in this game against Tom Brady. Yeah, and it definitely did. Another team core on Sunday that, if you ask me, just seemed a bit too overmatched was the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Kansas City Chiefs won this one 42-21. Pittsburgh actually was up early in this game thanks to a T.J. Watt touchdown. I mean, what that guy has done for this team all season has been nothing short of spectacular. Kansas City got going late in the half, and then absolutely a Pittsburgh team that doesn't score a ton lets up a touchdown drive with like under a minute to go in the half, which can never happen. The Pittsburgh barely had 50 yards of offense. I don't even think they did have 50 yards of offense in the first half. For Big Ben, it will potentially could be his final game. It's a bummer that that's the way that he had to go out. But Patrick Mahomes, he saw what Josh Allen did on Saturday. And he said, I'll raise you one 404 yards, five touchdowns. And like I said, he was kind of quiet in the first quarter. So good for Kansas City. They kind of needed, again, another performance. You definitely didn't think that they would really struggle with Pittsburgh after how much they handled them a, a couple weeks back late in the regular season. But still, they had to go out and take care of business. So they set up a real interesting matchup between Buffalo this coming week. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be – that's probably going to be the best game of the weekend. I think that's going to be like an insane game rematch of last year's uh, AFC Championship game. But, yeah, going to this game, this is another team. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers, at least in the AFC, like there were a few teams, I think. I think a lot of teams – like obviously the Colts. I even think like a team like the Dolphins, the Ra- even maybe like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, like would oppose more of a threat to the top teams in the AFC. I don't th- maybe the Colts are the only team that could possibly like make an upset. But I think like those other teams definitely would have been like more – feared like the Pittsburgh Steelers with Big Ben uh in like pretty old guy like I just think this team I know their defense is good but like a defense can only hold up for so long I mean Big Ben like really went into this game I don't know if he was just like trying to be a funny guy you saw like he was like we have no chance going into this game and yeah I mean even when TJ Watt gets that that fumble I was still like the Chiefs are easily gonna win this game and hey I mean on the Chiefs side of the ball like no Clyde Edwards Lair. Like, can we give Jarek McKinnon a shout out? He was honestly pretty uh pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands. Had a touchdown through the air, uh six catches, 81 yards, and 61 yards on the ground over 140 yards in like total scrimmage yards. He looked like pretty good. I mean, he's a guy who has been like on the 49ers and the Vikings, like in the past, is like a pretty good running back. So I thought like with no Clyde. Uh, Daryl Williams didn't really do that. He did some like through the air, not that much on the ground. Like Jerick McKinnon definitely stepped up in this one. I think he could play a factor um, next week against the Bills. But yeah, that that game's really going to be like, I think winner of that. It's not bold to say a lot. Like I think I think the winner of that comes out of the AFC. I think it's gonna be a really good game between um, Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Honestly, can't I honestly can't wait to uh, to see it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jarek McKinnon. I definitely think he deserves all the credit in the world because he stepped up big with Clyde Edwards Lair out and Darrell Williams kind of in the doghouse after I believe I think I don't know if they credit him with the fumble on like the extra on the one that TJ Watt ended up scoring the touchdown on. But I know um ball security problems. Andy Reid's not going to deal with that type of stuff. Next man up, Jarek McKinnon, a guy who dealt with a tough injury in his career with that ACL injury early on in his Niners tenure, but now seems to maybe be hitting his stride and another weapon, of course, for Kansas City, the rich get richer. Like you said, Clyde may be coming back next week. I don't know how that plays into things, but I think McKinnon definitely deserves some run. And yeah, you mentioned that this game, it kind of almost feels like the AFC Championship. I won't go that far because you still got to go out. You still got to play the games. But this 
this feels like it should be an all-time playoff game, at least in recent memory. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Core, one thing I want to mention, just kind of throwing both of these matchups into perspective between the Bucks and the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Steelers. I mean, right now, these were both the two versus seven matchups, right? I mean, even looking back to net last year, right, you had the Colts and the Bills as the two versus seven, which was a good game. But the other game was like the Saints and the Bears. That was also a blowout. I mean, we can be all happy that we got two extra wildcard weekend games. I don't want to say at what cost in a sense, but like it almost seems like now three out of the four seven teams, uh, excuse me, three out of the four seven seeds that have now made the playoffs have been really like non-deserving and just like non-competitive at all. So I'm curious like how your take is on that. Like, do you think it's something that they maybe should look back on and be like, should we maybe just go back to six and give the top two teams buys? Or do you think that maybe over time it'll get better? See, like, I think over time, I'm honestly with it. I, I'm always with adding another a playoff team, not saying, like, it should be, like, that easy to make the playoffs. But I think at least if you look at the AFC, like, I'm all right with the seven seed. Like, they're, like what am I saying? I even mentioned the Chargers. Like, the Browns, like, there are a lot of good teams in the AFC, like, qualified to make the playoffs. Hey, credit to the Steelers, but, like, they're not better than a lot of teams that made the playoffs. But they snuck in. But I'm saying, like, if the team like the Colts got in as a seven seed, I know they didn't. Like, that team could have could have opposed some threats to um, to Kansas City, I think. So I really don't got a problem with it. I think the NFC is not as deep as the AFC. But I think, like, over time, the league just becomes better, like, with more talent. So I expect the NFC to kind of get a little deeper, which to me, like, We'll give, like, some quality teams a chance of getting in the playoffs. Like, I know, again, this year it didn't really equal out and it was pretty um, – the games were, were blowouts. But, yeah, I'm, I think the seventh seed is a decent idea. I think over time it'll uh, get a little little better because I think the league will get better and I think each conference will get deeper and will uh, give, like, the two seed um, a game eventually come time. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I think obviously it'll just get better. Maybe as time goes on, we'll start the more deserving team will, especially with the extra game in the regular season too. Gives a little bit more time for the better team to really show that they are the better team. You might, if the Colts or the Chargers were the seventh seed, no offense to Pittsburgh, like you mentioned though, but they just kind of they, they got there right, but they they, they just didn't compete. So even Philadelphia, the NFC, I won't like. I mean, Minnesota, we've always mentioned was like a lot better if you ask me than their record, but. I don't know who who knows. They probably don't even make noise in the playoffs. They didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, so I'm actually happy they weren't. But for the Bucks and the Kansas City Chiefs, both Super Bowl teams last year, the two most recent winners as well, they're moving on. They are going to host their second playoff game of this year. This weekend, both of them definitely have their hands full. We mentioned the Chiefs with the Bills and their great performance. But what about the Bucks having to play the Los Angeles Rams score? I mean, 34-11 on the first ever Monday night football playoff game. And – Kyler Murray cannot do anything. I mean, he was lost from the start. I mentioned earlier this trend with Cliff Kingsbury from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I mentioned this before. I mean, again, it's just Sean McVay was coaching circles around him. Their defense was completely ready to play. Raheem Morris actually from the Falcons is in his first year in Los Angeles. Done a great job with that defense. I mean, Kyler threw that ball in the end zone that ends up in David Long Jr.'s hands, I believe it was, for a easy touchdown, make it 21 nothing. Arizona was in negative yardage for almost the entirety of 
the first and like the first 20 minutes of this game. So again, just a dominant performance by the Rams. It bothered me early on in the year when people would kind of like try to pin the Cardinals over the Rams. Cause like as time played out, like I just had a feeling that this was something that we could kind of see. At the same time, I think the Cardinals were a little bit unlucky that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't healthy and then he misses down the stretch and the playoff game. J.J. Watt, he did play in this one, but you lost him for a good chunk of your season. I know Edmonds, too, was banged up. So I don't want to necessarily, like, completely be like, oh, yeah, I told like I told you so in a sense. But, like, I don't know. The Cardinals just always felt kind of flaky. They never seemed like a true contender as the weeks went on. And, um, yeah, I mean, for the Rams, they are the contender. And that was probably their best performance of the season, maybe outside of that early season win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Stafford was good. He was efficient, didn't turn the ball over. Michelle on the ground was good. But Cam Akers just provides a different spark to this offense, if you ask me, that when he is going to even get going more now as he gets more game speed and games under his belt with that recovering from that Achilles it's just gonna be that much more dangerous and on the offense at, at wide receiver I mean losing Robert Woods definitely hurt but bringing in Odell man was the best move that they made and I was scared for Odell at first because Woods was still healthy and I was like why would he want to Odell revived his career definitely going back to the Rams I'm curious to see what he's gonna do come off season, right? Like with Woods coming back, like how does he fit in the fold? But with teams starting to take away Cooper Cup a lot more, I know Cup still had a touchdown, 60 yards. You're like, oh, wow, that was a brutal day for Cup in the office, right? 561 on the touchdown. But Odell, again, has just shown why he's still such a dynamic receiver. And this, their offensive potential is limitless for the Rams, especially when they're clicking like they were on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, the Rams, like I said, the Bills had a really impressive performance. Like, Chiefs also, I'd say the the Rams were right right up there with, with those two teams, like both sides of the ball. They were just um yeah, they, they just looked like the team that they were supposed to to be this year. Like everyone knew they were bringing in a lot of pieces. And um it, it looked like in this game it all it all kind of clicked. Uh Matthew Stafford did not turn the ball over. The defense was absolutely swarming, like you said, on um on Kyler Murray, like this Cardinals offense really was completely shut down. Uh, like you say, you were talking about New England earlier. They didn't really have a play, like a, a number one receiver. Like you look at other teams, they have one. Like the Cardinals had DeAndre Hopkins to not have D-Hop in this game. It, it certainly hurt them. You could tell. Like Christian Kirk, A.J. Green. I mean, A.J. Green, you've had a good career, but like you're not DeAndre Hopkins right now. Like Jalen Ramsey, if he's guarding either one of those guys, it's not the same as guarding – DeAndre Hopkins, do I think the Cardinals win this game? DeAndre Hopkins, no. But I think the offense is, like, a little more fluid. They were really, like, stagnant the whole game. But, yeah, this Rams team certainly is dangerous. Their defense is is elite. And, yeah, like you said, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, that catch in the, in the end zone for the touchdown was uh, – he just got up and got it, just some play. I, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about Robert Woods, but, like, I don't know, I think – if they had all three of them, they'd obviously be really good. But like, if Robert Woods gets hurt, you don't bring in Odell. Like Van Jefferson's probably stepping in as that number two receiver. I think this offense is a whole lot, whole lot different. Obviously, like Van Jefferson, kind of a deep threat type guy. Like Odell Beckham, for him to be like your number two wide receiver right now, I think definitely, definitely makes your team so much better. Like if you if you want to go double team Cooper Cup, yeah, you have Odell Beckham. Not saying he's the same guy on the Giants, but like he certainly still is a really good wide receiver. So yeah, this Rams team definitely very dangerous, and uh, I'm really curious to see how they match up against uh, 
the Buccaneers because I for sure think they could uh, they could win that game. Yeah, I mean, the Buccaneers pride themselves on having that stout run defense and being physical on the line of scrimmage. And, I mean, just watching that game, too, with the Rams, I mean, again, the push that they were getting up front offensively and then defensively getting after Kyler Murray, they dominated the line of scrimmage in that one. They were by far the most physical team in that game. So I'm definitely excited. That's that's good on good right there when we see those two teams rematch from, I believe it was week three or week four they played each other in L.A., though, when L.A. got the best of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what's crazy is I, want, I wonder, honestly, how many teams are – like, I mean, last year Brady lost to the Saints twice in the regular season and beat them in the playoffs. So maybe it's kind of another thing. You know what I mean? He doesn't beat them in the regular season. He just saves them for the playoffs. But core, that's going to kind of wrap up our game recap from this previous week. I definitely thought it was an awesome week of football for sure. And we got another one coming right before we get to it. I will just mention, we mentioned all the head coaching changes last week on our show. And we're going to get to more when guys get hired. Crazy enough, nobody's been hired yet, which I'm like, how do like I must be missing something, right? We're all, we're two weeks into the offseason for some of these teams and nobody got hired, but nobody has. We did not mention David Cully. David Cully was fired like out two hours maybe after we recorded, of course. I feel a little bad for David Cully. You know what I mean? I never thought he was really too, too settled in that Houston role. I thought he did fine with what he was given this year, which was nothing. But they have um Cacero, Nick Casero is like their general manager. They're like they're high up in their front office, and he's a New England guy. It almost it always seemed like they wanted another New England coach from that tree with Brian Flores available and his relationship with Deshaun Watson. Definitely keep an eye on him. Another crazy candidate I heard Gerard Mayo. I don't know. Gerard Mayo was playing linebacker for them. It seems like six years ago, and now all of a sudden he's in prime position potentially to get a head coaching gig. So good for Gerard Mayo. Definitely though. A little bit of a bummer for David Cully, really worked his way up. Kind of, I don't want to say maybe wasn't necessarily the most like qualified person, but you know what I mean? Like, he, he, he's coached a long time in the league and he definitely does deserved maybe a little bit more respect than he got from the Houston Texans. Uh, Cause I didn't think he was that bad this year. And listen, he, and they beat more playoff teams than the Eagles. They beat and had that nice win late too against the Chargers. So unfortunate for the Texans and David Cully, but they got a plan in place and that's what they're going to go with. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't think this is, like, on David Cully at all. Like, I think Cully did did what he could have did. Like, you looked at this at this Texans team coming into the year and, like, no, no like, shorting it. Like, this team was probably, like, the favorite to finish with the, with the worst record in the NFL. They didn't. But, yeah, I mean, the thing about this team, like, they competed. Uh, it seemed – yeah, like you said, like they're beating a playoff, like a team in playoff position, like in week, was it 17 or week 16? Like they're still competing towards the end, which shows like they still got respect for their coach. Cause like, if you're not playing hard, um, a lot of times just cause like, maybe you just like gave up on your head coach. In this case, like it did not seem like they, uh, they did even the last week, they gave Tennessee like a good game. So I think David Cully getting fired, um, Kind of unfortunate. I thought he did a solid job this year, like with a team who like really didn't have much upside and not much like not like not a positive outlook for the season. So yeah, I, I don't know what the future holds for David Cully, but I think for sure he um he, he put some he put some good things on tape this year as a head coach. If he could um get a position at some some position like defensive coordinator, offense coordinator, I don't know, head coach like somewhere else. I think he uh. He's worthy of that because he, he did a good job this year. 
Yeah, he did. You know what I mean? Hopefully with his background too, he'll be able to find a spot, at least on a coaching staff. He's not going to get another head coaching job right away, but hopefully his experience, he could learn from it at least and resume another spot. Maybe he goes back to Baltimore because that's where I know he was coaching before. But with that being said, Corey, we got four playoff games to preview. So let's go right into those. Now we'll start on Saturday Corey, where the Tennessee Titans will be making their postseason debut this year as they were the number one seed. They had the bye past week. They are three and a half point favorites at home against Cincinnati. One thing I'll say is I've never really been bought into Cincinnati and I started to a little bit just seeing like Burrow and Chase and they, it, it truly, if you get, it's unguardable now, like the timing and the connection that they have. But I'll say this, like I was just, I was, a little upset that, again, they just didn't have a more dominating performance against the Raiders. And I know the Raiders are good and they like to keep games close, but those four, I know, and I know their defense played well, but those four field goals that they kicked on offense, where you're a team that's supposed to put up a lot of points when you have this young and upcoming star in Joe Burrow, it just leaves a sour taste in my mind. Tennessee had a week to rest, a week extra of game prep in that sense, because I knew they'd be playing, you know what I mean? You watch some film on that and they don't know necessarily your exact opponent until last Saturday, but Derrick Henry, like I said, getting back to hopefully near 100%. And the Titans are just a team that come playoffs, they get up for the competition. I know they lost last year, but I mean, if you remember in 2019, they went on that magical run. I think they have the opportunity and they will be the more physical team than the Bengals. Hendrickson's health is definitely big. I know the Bengals also did lose their offense. Uh, one of their big defensive linemen too, Larry, student last name starts with an O, won't even try to pronounce it. So at three and a half, I'm going to take the Titans here. I'm going to take them at the number two, obviously, of course, to win the game. I just think they're a much better football team than the Bengals, to be honest. I think that if the Bengals want to win this game, they got to put up a lot of points, and that's the way that they have to win in a shootout. But I think the Titans can kind of grind this one out. Their defense has been severely underrated this year. I think they're able to get after Burrow a little bit. And I think Derrick Henry coming back is just a huge jolt for this Titans team. That kind of seems a little disrespected as the one seed right now in the AFC. So with that, I'm going to take the Titans to advance the AFC championship and host it in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, as I was saying earlier in this episode, like the Bengals are a team I'm certainly, certainly rooting for. I mean, I had Jamar Chase in fantasy this season. So like, I'm a big fan of like that Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection. I, I'm honestly like a fan of Joe Mixon now. I'm, I'm like their offense, like as much as the playmakers I'm saying, like, like you said, like last week, they really didn't put out like that dominant of an offensive effort. Like I think it could have been a lot better like when it came to like points scored, but yeah, I mean, I think this Bengals defense is like decent. I think you think of them, you think of the offense, but a lot of times their defense has come up big this year, but I don't know. In a game like this, I think Mike Vrabel is, is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I really like him as a, as a coach. I think certainly, I mean, I'm not sure how Derrick Henry is going to be. I hear people like, you can't really say Derek like Derek Henry. I think is going to be like, you could say he's fresh and he's rusty at the same time. Like you can't say he's like just straight fresh. Like the guy hasn't put on pads in I don't know how many weeks. But I still think like you get eighty percent Derek Henry out there. I he, he's better than ninety five percent of the running backs. Probably like ninety eight percent running backs in the league. Even at eighty percent, like he's that good. I think getting him back certainly should make a difference. I think. Um, Ryan Tannehill could get the job done. I think having Derrick Henry back will certainly help him, certainly help A.J. Brown, certainly help everyone on the offense. And like you said, their defense has been underrated this year. You don't think of Tennessee as a good defensive team. So I think at home, I think number one seed coming off a bye. I don't know if it seems too easy, but like I like the Bengals, but I'm going to go with the Titans this one minus three and a half. And yeah, I think they move on to the AFC championship game. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing about Henry is you're right. Even at 80%, like he's going to be at 80% form and still going to get a good amount of touches if you ask me. But like it just like the biggest guy that benefits from Derek Henry being back for sure is Ryan Tannehill, his confidence now. And hopefully he can just play a little bit more within himself. The Like his, uh, how do I want to say this? His role is it gets a little small. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to do as much now. He, doesn't, he could say a lot more within himself is what I'm trying to get at. So for the Titans sake, hopefully that Henry hits the ground running and Ryan Tannehill takes care of the football core. Saturday night in Lambeau, the Packers are five and a half points against the 49ers. I mean, I'm going to keep riding the hungry dog. I've mentioned that San Francisco. I've been looking forward to this game for weeks when I saw how kind of the NFC playoff picture was panning out. I think that the Packers, the last team that they wanted to see was San Francisco. Yes, I know that they beat them earlier this year, but that's when San Francisco even wasn't using Debo Samuel in the backfield. Now that they are, that's just another thing that the Packers have to account for. Late in the year, the Packers hosted the Cleveland Browns on Christmas. I'll never, the Browns ran for like 200 something yards on them and Baker threw four picks, which is the reason why they lost the game. But Cleveland, definitely outplayed the Packers. They were more physical. San Francisco is going to try to run the ball down the Packers' throat. Now, defensively, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to entirely control the game. Of course, it's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You know what I mean? San Francisco doesn't have a guy to stop them. What I will say is that San Francisco has the ability to control this game and to play it exactly how Green Bay does not want to. I think that it could come down to Jimmy Garoppolo protecting the football. He throws an interception like he did last week. Absolutely not. 49ers are done for in this game. But the Packers have everything to lose, and the 49ers honestly have nothing to lose. I mean, with it potentially being Rodgers' last ride in Green Bay, there's a ton of pressure if you ask me on Green Bay. So I'm going to take the hungry dog and I'm going to take the team that's more physical, the team with a better run game. I'm going to take the 49ers plus six and ultimately to win the game against Green Bay and potentially end Aaron Rodgers' career as the Packers quarterback. Hey, I like that prediction. I think um, I think the 49ers are definitely like a tough team. Like not many teams want to see. I think the Packers like inability – I wouldn't say inability, but, like, it's been a problem. Like, their run defense really is not that good. Like, that's a way to expose them, and that's a way that San Francisco could could get after this team, I think. I think for – I don't know. I think if, if Green Bay can go up early, I think it might be a little tough for, for the 49ers to, to win this game in Lambeau, I think. Like, I think this has to be a similar recipe to success – like it was in Dallas, just like get up early, like mm-hmm. right in the mouth and just get after it from there. I, I do think Green Bay could come like I, don't, I think Green Bay could win this game from behind. But like that, I think that's got to be the, the game plan for San Francisco. Just right from the kickoff, just punch him in the mouth, score first. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I, I just can't bet against uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau. So I, I think this game is within six points. So I'll take. I'll take um, San Francisco 49ers to cover, but I think inevitably, I think Aaron Rodgers wins this game in uh, in Lambeau. Yeah, maybe I was a little hard on the Packers. I, they're gonna have a they, all they all they're thinking about is that game in 2019 that they lost to the 49ers too. So there's a lot of revenge on their mind potentially. I think you mentioned it how these two teams want to get into their game plan. I think early on that those first two drives from each team are so crucial into what could potentially unfold in the game. Will the 49ers get out to a nice 10-0 lead and kind of show that they're going to be able to run the football all day? 
Or is Green Bay going to stand up to that? Green Bay is going to go up and then San Francisco is like, oh boy, we got to pivot here a little bit. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to have to air the football out. It's going to be awesome to see on Saturday night. It is probably one of my favorite games of the weekend. I mean, I know I'm only picking from four, but still, it is a great matchup. Another great matchup, Core. The Rams travel to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. If you ask me, a little bit surprising. The Buccaneers are three-point favorites. I think it's maybe a point higher than I would have expected. But look, the Buccaneers just dominated the Eagles without like with without some of their best weapons. I know they still will be probably without a bunch of them. But the key here is Leonard Fournette's health. I don't think the Buccaneers have really I know they have Tom Brady, of course. They have like they're very physical up front. Tristan Wharfs could potentially be out too, which would be a huge loss for them on the offensive line. He's an all pro right tackle. But they need Fournette in this one if they want to keep it close and if they want to ultimately win this game. Core, I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl. Uh when we started in our preseason episode, I picked them again after the regular season. There's no way I'm hopping off the bandwagon now. If the Rams play as dominant as they were on Monday night, there's not a single team in the National Football League that will beat them, NFC or AFC. I don't care how hot the Bills are. I don't care how the Chiefs are. So I'm going to go with the Rams right now, plus three to win the game. Stafford has to take care of the football. He cannot throw an interception. Did a great job protecting it last week. He's going to be asked to do more. I mean, they're not going to dominate the Buccaneers up front as well as they dominated the Cardinals. But they're just too dynamic of a team. And I think the Buccaneers ultimately know Chris Godwin is one of – it's just such a brutal loss for Brady. Brady loves to go to his guys that he's real comfortable with. I know Evans is there. Ramsey's going to try to take him out. Gronk is going to have to have a big game. And if they can kind of neutralize Gronk and Fournette maybe not at 100%, I just think the Buccaneers are a playmaker short on the offensive side of things. That's why I'm going to side with the Rams. And like I said, these are my. this was my Super Bowl pick early. There's no way I'm hopping off ship now. Yeah, I mean, the Rams, I think in this game, uh, plus three is definitely really good value. I just think, like, the only thing, like, it just it's just really tough to pick against Tom Brady. I know he did lose in, uh, I think, tw- yeah, he lost in 2019 to, to Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. yeah. It is possible. Obviously, it's possible for Tom Brady to lose. The guy is, the guy is human. He needs, he needs playmakers. Like, it's not just Tom Brady. So, I, I think, like, no AB, no – Godwin's going to put a lot of pressure on on Mike Evans. And, I mean, when you have the best corner in the NFL, like I don't expect Mike Evans to, like, go crazy in this one. So, I think um, Brady, I, I expect to, like, he's going to look for Gronk a lot in this game. I don't know, like, who, like, Scotty Miller, Rashard Perriman, like, that guy, Cyril Grayson, like, guys are going to have to step up for, for Tampa. Uh, I don't think, like – the Rams are going to be as dominant, obviously, as they were against the Cardinals. I think the, the Buccaneers are a way better team. So I still think it'll be a pretty close game. But, like, at the end of the day, I just think the Rams, like, current circumstances are a better football team all around. I think talent-wise, they're probably top three in the league. So I'm going to take the Rams plus three and to win this game. I just think uh, they have what it takes to, to beat the Bucs again this year and not go off Tom Brady. All right, Corey, moving on to the Sunday night game, which I mentioned the Packers and the 49ers might be one of my favorite games. I mean, how could you not say this one isn't? I mean, the Chiefs host Buffalo. The Chiefs are two-point favorites here. After seeing what the Bills did to New England and then seeing what the Chiefs did to the Steelers, I mean, we're setting up for an all-time division around matchup, like I said earlier. I'll say this with Buffalo. I mean, it seems like the past couple of years, Brandon Bean and company up there have really constructed this team to beat the Buffalo Bills, the way that they've drafted, the way that they've developed Josh Allen, the way that they want to play offensively. They can go toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs on offense, no problem. If they need a shootout, that's no problem. They are a more physical team than the Kansas City Chiefs as well. They're deep 
on their defensive line. They have a lot of guys who can go get after Patrick Mahomes. They got two great safeties as well in the things. No Tredavious White, obviously, he got hurt earlier in the year. Definitely going to hurt, but I think that they're going to be able to overcome that. I think that this Buffalo team is hungry. They made a statement last week with uh, the Patriots. People are saying, oh, like the Patriots and the, like, you know what I mean? They're kind of in the same conversation this year. Oh, one team barely won the division. They split the regular season matchups. And the Bills are like, no, 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 we're not even close. Obviously, I think the Bills and the Chiefs talent-wise are very close, right? I'm not going to – the Bills, if you ask me, have more talent than the Chiefs on their roster, top like top to bottom. I also just think the Bills are just so hungry for this one. Like I said, with that playoff loss last year in the AFC Championship, and give me Josh Allen, man. We mentioned that this guy should be talked about as one of as the top quarterback in the NFL. I think Josh Allen's going to have another masterful performance on Sunday, I think the Bills will be victorious. And I think some people then on Monday now will go on ESPN and they will be like, is Josh Allen the best quarterback in football? And there will be a lot of people saying, yes, he is. I think that the Bills just have the ability to win a lot more different ways than Kansas City. I can't see Kansas City stopping Buffalo's defense. I mean, I, would stop, I can't see Kansas City stopping Buffalo's offense, whereas I think Buffalo can be physical at the line of scrimmage and potentially give Kansas City some fits. The Bills beat them earlier in the year. They handled them well. The Chiefs have gotten a lot better since then. But right now, give me Josh Allen. I know it's tough to pick against the Chiefs at home in a playoff game with Patrick Mahomes, but I'm definitely doing it, Core. I'm taking the Bills plus two and to win this game for Bills Mafia. Yeah, I mean, the Bills last week just were – yeah, they, they put they put uh the Chiefs on notice for sure. I think um yeah, I mean there's always that picture of Stefan Diggs um after like they lost in the AFC championship game last year. He was like standing on the field and he, he's gonna have the same exact chance. I think honestly a shame that these teams it says in the AFC championship game. I think uh yeah, it just shows like why the number one seed was was so important. I think a big thing like the Buffalo, I think Josh Allen's going to play really good, but like, are they going to be able to get another, I don't know if it's going to be needed, but like, I think if they can get a, a solid run game, r- run game performance from Singletary or like Josh Allen on the ground, like this team uh, will be in, will put themselves in a good position to win the game. I think, like you said, it's tough to bet against the chiefs. I, I don't know. This, I think this is going to be a really, Really close game between probably like two of the top three teams in the NFL, in my opinion. I think I'm gonna side with I'm gonna side with the Buffalo Bills too, and uh, to win the game just because I don't know they lost last year in the playoffs they handled them well this year, so I don't know you could say like it's it, it's like kind of like the rubber match, and I, I just think the Bills right now are better. They um I don't know just the way they they beat the the Patriots which is such a get effortless win. Uh, on offense, their defense showed up. So, yeah, I think Arrowhead is definitely going to be rocking. But I think Josh Allen gets the job done, outduels Patrick Mahomes, and, and the Bills move on to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, I love how we're in agreement there. The one thing that I will leave off with about this game is that the Chiefs are able to win a lot of games because Patrick Mahomes is Superman and because he's so much better normally than everybody else who he goes against at the quarterback position but Josh Allen can go toe-to-toe with him and I just think that ultimately that could be the deciding factor there that Allen will be able to go punch for punch almost with Patrick Mahomes this should be a great one it would like I said it would be an absolute shame if the end final score of this game turned out to be like 10-7 you know like like come on man we want points in this one it should definitely be but core with that that's going to do it 
for today's episode. Anything you kind of want to leave off with before this awesome divisional round? Just, just basically looking forward to the divisional round. That's basically it. Should be some really good matchups. I think like Bucking, they're all really good. If you ask me, like Buccaneers, Rams, Chiefs, Bills. Like I think those two are going to be like two insane games. So definitely looking forward to just uh, watching that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you would have asked me a couple weeks back, if you would have shown me this as a divisional round, in the NFC, I would have said that's an absolute dream slate. And in the AFC, obviously, Bills and Chiefs. But the Bengals, obviously, the way that they've been playing a lot better and the Titans kind of getting like this under – like, you know what I mean, getting overlooked. Everybody's like, oh, the Bills and the Chiefs are in the AFC title game. The Titans are the number one seed in because they, they beat both of them in the regular season. They're getting Derrick Henry back, too. They're kind of a little overlooked. So they get the Bengals who are kind of all this hype around them, too, to kind of round out the slate. I mean, it's awesome. Like I said, I can't – in recent memory, I can't think of a, a round that I've been so excited to look forward to because all these matchups definitely entice me. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.